Thank you, Adam. Um, yeah, uh, prayer uh, really fit. It was it was integral to the call to ministry, and so there were a lot of influential people from this Sunday school class who actually helped me discern the call. Um, and so this morning, you know, since Bill Britt declared 2018 the year of prayer, I asked Adam. I said, "Has anybody really talked about prayer in your Sunday school class?" And we, I don't think we I don't think you've had that this year. So I thought it might be a good topic to talk about. Um, I think sometimes we may take uh, our prayer lives for granted, or at least I have. I felt that way, that I kind of started to take it for granted at times. And so a refresher on it, I think, is good. And we have some very talented theologians that are coming or have come and are coming to continue this discussion on prayer. And so I encourage you to, to take a look at that. Um, but I'd like to talk about it in relation to my call. Um, because I, I think it's important to see how prayer does weave into our discernment for many things, right? Whether you're called to a professional vocation in the ministry or you're called to something else for Christ, the bottom line is that we're all in ministry to one another, right? It doesn't have to be a professional vocation in the ministry, but we are all called to be in ministry to one another, and so prayer is going to be an integral part of that. Back in, um, it's, you know, Adam said that I'm the campus minister at the Wesley Foundation at Georgia Tech. Um, and I'm also lead the men's ministries here. At, at Georgia Tech, it's, it's interesting to think that when I went there, I graduated, uh, I started in 89, graduated in 94. And um, during my time there at Georgia Tech, I didn't even know that the Wesley Foundation building existed, and it was right across the street from the fraternity that I was in. <laughs> but the, the thing is, is that I was baptized when I was 24 years old. So I didn't have a relationship with Christ when I was getting my undergraduate at Tech. Um, and so I have this, hey Jeff, I have this, um, <laughs> uh, he's teaching he's about it, right? <laughs> 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 And so, so with that, I feel like it's kind of a, a blessing and a curse at the same time, not having a relationship with Christ while I was in college. It, it's a blessing in that now I feel like I can relate to the students who don't have a relationship with Christ, right? But it's a curse in that I wish I had had that relationship with Jesus much earlier in life. Because I have the advantage of knowing what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus as an adult and to not have a relationship with Jesus as an adult. Um, I'm sure a few of you are, can, can, can relate to that. And so my call started, when I reflect back on it in my, in, in my 20s, I had a clear thought come through my mind. Just a crystal clear thought. Maybe you should go into the ministry. And I went, that was crazy. Dismissed that thought and <laughs> went back to work. And, uh, and then a little bit later, I meet Lee, my wife. Um, and she introduced me to Peachtree Road. She goes, I've been in this thing for the last four years called Disciple Bible Study. We were dating, you know, and getting to know one another. And she goes, I saw that Bible in your, in your place. You know, you might like this. And I, I had pretty much lived the last 
10 years of my life, because I was 33 then, so nine years professing myself a Christian, baptized Christian, and I had one foot in the church on Sunday, but then during the week, I was out of the church. And so Lee introduced me to Disciple Bible Study, and I'm, I'm in that first year. Neil Creech is my facilitator, Darren Short, and all of a sudden, this message of salvation from Genesis to Revelation is just perfectly laid out. I, I'll admit it, I was pretty much biblically illiterate. I mean, I had read parts of the Bible, but flipped to Revelation to read the end, right? You know? But the idea is it all made sense now. Oh, this is what it means to be a Christian. And so then I co-facilitated with Neil the next year, then led him for, for nearly a decade after that. But during that time, the call kept getting stronger and stronger. That clear thought that I just couldn't get out of my mind, it wasn't once a decade, it wasn't once a year, it was now happening on a monthly frequency. And so I prayed to God one day, I said, God, what do you want? Do you want me to go into the ministry as a vocation? Well, that night, I had the most vivid dream I've ever had. And I was, it was February the 13th, 2009, and at 1.58 a.m., I was led to go write the details of the dream down. Never done that before. Never done it since. <laughs> but um, we, were, we were living in this high-rise in, in, in Midtown at that time, and I remember the date so well because it was our first anniversary, we got married in 2007, and our first anniversary in 2008, the typical gift is paper, right? And so on our anniversary, Lee had wrapped up this gift, and I opened it up, and it was this journal. And I wasn't a journaler, by the way. This leather-bound, you know, journal. She hands it to me, I open it up, and I go, great, paper. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. And so it sat on my desk for many, many months. Never touched it. My home office desk just sitting there. And I had this dream. And I was led, I feel, by the Holy Spirit in my office. And what was sitting on the corner of the desk at 1.58 a.m.? This journal. And so I wrote it all down. And the contents of the dream aren't that important for our discussion on prayer. But just know that God challenged me and said, if you go into the ministry, go for the right reasons. So God challenged me. It wasn't this mandate go, right? Because we don't have to feel obliged to go. We should go out of the love that comes from Christ in our hearts, right? And so it took many years to discern. Lee and I thought we were going on this path. We were going to have a family and, you know, start thinking about fertility and all that stuff. And God had another plan. We were going in this way. It didn't work out for us. And so we're sitting there and thinking about this. I had applied to Emory, to Candler, was accepted, deferred. was working for Siemens, had a 21-year career in uh, sales and operations management. And, and uh, we kept deferring my enrollment year after year as we were discerning the call. And eventually it got to a point, I was like, Lee, I, Lee and I were talking, we, we just didn't think it was right at that time. And so Lee didn't know it, but I prayed to God. I said, God, if Lee comes to me and says, now's the time, we're ready, then I'll go. And 18 months later, Lee comes up to me, and she said, I think it's time. And I went, Oh, shoot, now i got to go. No. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It was a moment, though, of grace, right? Prayer is one of many means of grace that we believe in as Methodists, right? Reading the scriptures is a means of grace. Worshiping together, partaking, you know, partaking of the sacraments. 
prayer, a healthy prayer life is a, is a means of grace. And I feel in that moment that God was imparting grace towards us because it needed to be a we decision for me to go. And I can tell you it was extremely difficult to resign from a perfectly good job and your income voluntarily go to zero. That's hard. But through it all, we thought it was going to be tough and in the end. It, I mean, there have been challenges, don't get me wrong, but the, the, the financial side of it wasn't nearly as bad as we made it out to be in our minds. But anyway, prayer was an integral component to discerning God's will in our lives. And so I encourage you for it. This, um, we'll go somewhat quickly through this, but I printed out um, some notes of a uh, prayer seminar that I went to nine years ago. Nine years ago, Dr. Boa uh, put on a prayer seminar here at the church. And so what did I do? All on fire for my new journal. I took notes. And so I was thinking about this. 2018, the year of prayer, maybe I should pull out those notes and see what, see what, I, ha what I wrote down here. And so I've added a few things that I've experienced, but I think this is some really good material on thinking about the practical application of prayer. It's really, some of it is based on these two books that Dr. Boa wrote on praying the scriptures back to God. Um, and so I'm sure there are some of you that are prayer warriors, right? You're the people that pray all the time, and this is going to be remedial for some of you. But for those of you that want to be energized in your prayer life, that's what I'm hoping this will, will do for us. So let's start with a, a little parable, right? There's a father and a son, right? And they're out in the field. The son's working away, laboring away. And the father comes walking up to him, right? And he says, you know, you're doing a great job, but uh, he says, are you using all your strength? Right? And the son says, yes, I am. And he says, the father says, no, you aren't. You haven't asked me for help. And I think that is what we're really thinking about when we think about prayer. It is this means of grace that God is there and available to us in our time of need. We just have to go to God and remember that. And so prayer is a relationship with the divine. Will somebody read this to, to us? Chuck, will you read that? Sure. Uh, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. What comes to mind for you when you read this? What does this scripture mean to you? What do you think Paul is trying to tell us? What do you think he was trying to tell the Romans? <clears throat> Maybe um, we shouldn't be overly concerned with the specifics of what we're asking for, but that, we, that just going into prayer and entering into prayer with God is enough and the Spirit will kind of guide the content. I mean, it's, the words aren't going to be perfect. We're not going to have perfect recollection of everything that needs to be prayed for. I don't know. What else? What else, what else comes to mind when you read this? I think your word relationship at the top is the, is the critical piece of it. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever, whatever we may be saying or not saying, he just wants to hear from us one, one way or the other. Amen. I mean, he just wants to have that dialogue. Yep. And for me, when I feel like I'm taking prayer for granted... It's usually when I'm feeling that I'm not as connected to God as I should be. And it is. It's a relationship with the divine, right? And so we should ask the Holy Spirit to intercede for us in accordance with God's will, right? But that's the trick, right? 
We know that God has our best interests at heart. So we have free will, and we choose to exercise it. But are we really in control? I think it's a, um, a tough, tough thing for us to think through. We know that God has our best interests, and God knows what's best for us. Right? And so we always thank God in our prayers. And I remember when Ken said this quote from Benjamin Franklin, I thought it was awesome. If a man had half his wishes, then he'd have twice his troubles. thing is is that we offer it up and we try to discern God's will and it all comes down to believing right and trusting discerning what God wants for us in our life and so the thing is is that it's tough to think about prayer as being a productive time I don't know if you ever feel that way where you're you've got we, we have such busy schedules right we've got everything filled up minute by minute through our day and just taking five to ten minutes to just sit in the, in the quiet with God. It seems unproductive, but this is relationship building. We had a, a men's speaker come on a couple Tuesdays ago. His name's Charlie Pepperelli. He, he spoke about not having to check Jesus at the door when we go to work, right? I have a relationship with my wife. And sometimes I go to work and we'll talk about my relationship. Oh, this was awesome. This happened the other day or whatever. We've got a relationship with Christ. Why are we afraid to bring that up? And I like that. I like that transparency of who we are, that we don't just have one foot in the church on Sunday and then we go to work through the week and leave them at the door. But it is productive. It is our spiritual interaction with God. So let's try not to look at it as an activity, but as time spent with the one that we love. And I love this other quote that he said that day. He said, prayer is prelude to effective living. Today is all about the practical when we're talking about prayer. You're going to hear from some of the other theologians and individuals about you know, some deeper aspects of understanding the nature of God. Today is more practical. We're going to scripture and we're going to how can we make this real in our lives today. There's another one, Colossians 3.23. Will somebody read this? Adam? Whatever you do, work as if Who are you working for in anything that you do? I like having this lens, right, when I'm in the workspace. Who are we working for? What's our ultimate purpose? But dedicating everything that we do as if we're working for God. And so, you know, I encourage you to invite God into all that you do by prayer. How many of you pray at work? During the work day. Yeah. <laughs> you ever pray driving? I think, what did John Wesley say? Pray without ceasing? Something along those lines. You haven't passed the law against you know, praying while driving. <laughs> <laughs> Is it distracted driving? Maybe it's focused driving. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Don't close your eyes. You don't close your eyes. That's the key. <laughs> yeah. I like what you said a few minutes ago about what you said a few minutes ago about having one foot, you know, where you're here and then the rest of the week gone, but going back to the relationship with your spouse, imagine, you know, only having a relationship with your spouse when you're at home or when you're with him or her. And 
then when you're away, you sort of just play play like the mice or whatever, mm. uh, and you just totally just forget that you've taken vows for God and family and your spouse to love and keep them. And, and the, the vows are not just you know while you're physically in the same presence. Sure. Supposed to encumber you and support you and embrace you wherever you are. Mm-hmm. I think that marriage covenant reflects our covenant with God. Exactly. And that both of them are forever, right? And that we are to be in relationship with one another. And yeah, I agree. Uh, you ever Have you ever prayed where you and your wife or you and your significant other um, sit across from one another, hold each other's hands, and then take turns praying out loud? It's a very intimate experience, and it's sometimes difficult to do. Lee and I have done it a couple of times. It's not a very active part of our prayer life, but let me tell you, you can get to know your spouse really quick when you hear their prayers outside, out, out loud. What, what are their real concerns? It's, it's not easy to do, and there's a, a big level of intimacy, and so I encourage you to think about it. But it's a way to strengthen that marriage bond. Just for something on that, I've had. Adam, when we were over in Jerusalem this year, I remember your mother um, uh, said three words that still stay with me uh, when we were, we were in that garden tomb. And she talked about the blood of Jesus. And, and she said it with so much passion. Um, and uh, with you and Anna there. And, and it was just, it, and it was so heartfelt. Um, and it was just, I, I had not about that, but to hear her say it the way she said it, with so much passion, and it, it, it still has affected me. Um, and just, you know, she's got a wonderful story of the way she shared that. I mean, but if you if you do pray out loud like that, it can affect people in that in that way. Mm-hmm. So that was I just remember your mother saying that. Well, the you know, it's same in the workplace, right? For our the transparency of our relationship uh, with our spouse, etc. The thing is, is that in our work, inviting God into our decision-making processes, right? These are things that I encourage you to do and to think about. You know, you've got a tough decision to make. Pray on it. Maybe that crystal clear thought will come into your mind. You know, I mean, personally, I haven't heard what I believe to be God's voice. Right, I, I, you know, I, I asked I asked every I asked every disciple class over about a ten year period, have you ever heard God talking to you? And only once did we have somebody say, yes, I heard the voice. And that person uh, went on to do some amazing things for Christ. How can I deny it? But for me, all I've ever had is that clear thought, you know, like maybe you can't get the water filters for Kenya out of your mind. Well, maybe God's trying to tell you something. Of course, even though you don't think you're hearing from him directly, I mean, like when Lee said that to you, I mean, that's perhaps him speaking. Exactly. I mean, exactly. so whether it's his voice or not, it doesn't he's, he's delivering the message to you. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, God, I believe, speaks through others, gives us clear thoughts, who knows what. Anyway, it's listening to that, that voice, right? But inviting God into that decision-making process, I encourage. Um, yeah. Um, 
you know, prayer and action go hand in hand. I like that, the idea of, of that we are active persons in the world and that God wants what's best for us and we're trying to discern that will and so that prayer and action do go hand in hand. And so let's talk now more about scripture and prayer. So will somebody please read this? Keith, you want to read it? But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What was the context in which this was written? What was going on in first century Palestine? Why do you think Matthew was writing this? The Pharisees had all these like ceremonial prayers and they were doing it kind of ritualistic and legalistic and he was saying that's not how you're supposed to go about it. Anybody been to Jerusalem? Been to the, the Wailing Wall? Yeah. Which is the foundation part that's closest to where the Holiest of Holies would be, where the temple was? That's that's the last place, one of the most holy places for the Jews, and they go and pray. And if you'll see them, they're very, they're very demonstrative in their praying. And so maybe Matthew is saying, listen, it's not all about this demonstration of your prayer. It's a personal relationship with God in secret and quiet. Right? So it's that sacred silence, right? It's that time to sit Again, such busy lives that we have to take some minutes during your day to sit there and listen for that still small voice because who knows what it may be speaking to you and so what's our litmus test right you have that clear voice or you have a friend say something to you that really catches you and you're like man where did that come from litmus test of scripture if it, if it seems to align with what God would will for you in your life Maybe it's something to act on. Anyway, I encourage you to think about that and to go to Scripture and do witness that. But most importantly, prayer is not asking God to do our will, but learning what is God's will for us in the world. All right. Do we fully understand God's uh, will for us? There was a woman early in the morning. She's reading her newspaper. She's all laid up. She's got... Her dog is sitting beside her, watching her, right? She's got her coffee. It's real quiet, reading that paper, and then you know, she, the dog's looking up at her. And do you think that dog knows what she's doing? The dog's watching. She's, I don't think the dog knows that she is forming letters into words and words into sentences and sentences into meaning. But the thing is, that doesn't matter. I think this kind of alludes to our relationship with God, that God is active in the world. Now, we may not fully understand everything that's going on, but what does that represent? What does that dog represent in relationship to us? It's trust. That there is activity going on in the world that we may not be privy to. Find it amazing that this dog does not comprehend everything, but God is active. And we can't just fully comprehend everything that's going on, but that's where that element of faith and trust fills in into our prayer life. This is that part we were talking about do you pray while you're driving with your eyes open? Imagining Jesus sitting beside you in the passenger seat. Would you act differently when somebody cuts you off? 
Anyway, the idea of practicing the presence of Christ being with you. When you go into your room and you pray, imagine Christ, it's a conversation. You're right there with God. And it adds to this relationship, I think. It gives you the ability to visualize it. Now, here are some things. I've got a handout that I'm going to give after, afterwards. And these are some of the things that I got from Dr. Boas' lecture on, you know, why do we pray? I'll, I'll give one. Prayer enhances our relationship and intimacy with God. <clears throat> what are some other reasons why we pray? Let's try and come up with some. Why do you pray? It's a form of worship. Okay. To me, it's you're, you're, you're taking time out of your calendar to sit with God and listen uh, for his voice and his guidance in your life. But it's, it's a way of acknowledging his importance in your life. And your, it's, a, it's a form of praise and worship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's also that type of meditation, at least for me, early in the morning sets my day and gets my mood right. It's a comfort for sure. Okay. To express gratitude. Gratitude, thankfulness. So praise, gratitude, thankfulness. How about because Jesus told us to? <laughs> I mean, Jesus gave us many examples of praying. Right? Scripture tells us to pray. Jesus often went up to the mountaintop alone to pray. Why do you think he was doing that? Refreshment. Purification. Direction. Refreshment of the soul. Yeah. He had a lot, of, a lot of tough things going on in these three years of ministry. I'm sure he needed to be refreshed often. Fully human, fully divine. I'm sure the fully human side was fatigued often. I think about, I mean, he's also setting an example for his disciples. Right? And I think about that from, like, with my kids. And um, I want them to see me praying. So when they go off to college and they go off in their lives, they can look back on, you know, when they grew up. primary focus of why I do it, but it is part of why I want them to see me doing that. Sure. You know, just small groups, right? If you participate in a small group, it's all originated with Jesus, right? Jesus had his disciples, who then had disciples, who then had disciples. It's this example that we continue on. And so it does appropriate God's power to our lives. Right? We ask, we, we ask for intercession, right? For God to intercede for us. You know, why do we pray? Our involvement makes a difference in the world. Anyway, there are a lot of these things, and you're not going to remember all ten of these, I don't think. That's why we got the handout. But it, uh, this is, again, the practical side of prayer, and so I hope that you will take this handout when I, when I give it to you so that you can cultivate if you're not that prayer warrior, right? If you're the person that wants to cultivate a stronger prayer life, then refer back to this. But it does, it helps us understand God's purposes or will for us in our lives. 
So those are some reasons of why we pray. So let's break down how you pray today. And for those of you that are familiar with Ken's books, these, these things are, will come pretty quickly. But what are the major components of prayer? We've already said a few, right? Praise is one. Adoration, we'll call it. Confession. Confession, okay, so confessing our sins in prayer. We talked about, Jeff said, uh, gratitude, thanksgiving. So we got adoration, praise, confession, what else? Supplication, asking. Okay, all right. So we'll listen out here, right? Petition, intercession, thanksgiving, adoration, confession. These are some of the major categories, right? Now, just, just for discussion's sake, I don't think there's one that's most important than the other, but how would you rank them? If you were going to rank the one that's number one, what would you put first? Adoration. Adoration? Okay. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. <clears throat> you know, the thing is that I think in each moment in our lives, one of these is going to feel like the number one. When I was introspecting into my prayer life, this was back in 2008 when, when Chuck and I both went to this uh, presentation that, that Dr. Boa gave, and I, I introspected on it afterwards. I, I, I thought to myself, what is missing in my prayer life? Right? What's missing in your prayer life of this? Well, I'm going to tell you what mine is. Mine was adoration. I felt like I was going to God asking for stuff all the time. I mean, the thing is that I think, imagine if, if you go to your friend and all you do is ask him for stuff every time you see him. I don't know how healthy that relationship would. I have friends like that. What <laughs> 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 yeah. in, in intercession, um, does that mean kind of... Uh, Praying for others? Okay. Yeah, I would think this is for others and this is for self. Okay. But the idea is to think about this. You know, maybe it could be beneficial to have a framework, maybe to start, but then know that you can switch it up however you'd like. But that worked for me in my early prayer life of really thinking about it. How did I break it up? I don't think God wants it to be formulaic, but as a mechanical engineer, I think I revert back to that sometimes. There's a process for everything, right? Anyway, but the thing is, is to, to make it your own, and it might provide a, a good framework in which to work. So what are hindrances to unanswered prayers? I'll throw the first one up there, wrong motives. Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches, I must make amends. What are some other hindrances? I mean, timing sometimes is uh, one where, you know, it may just not be answered in the same time frame that you okay. are. God's time? Yeah. What are some other hindrances to unanswered prayers? Even apart from the motives, I think, you know, sometimes we conclude what the right answer should be, and then we go to him as sort of a, all right, well, give me this answer because I know it's the right one, but, it's, but he, knows, he knows better. And then when he gives us the answer that is, in fact, the right one, it doesn't correspond with what we thought, mm -hmm. and we're kind of lost. 
So we, we thought, and it's like that Benjamin Franklin quote, you know, if men had half his wishes, he'd have twice his troubles. Yeah. Unconfessed sin. I tried to go to some scripture to kind of back this up, right? So Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Something to think about. <clears throat> Unforgiving spirit. I'm trying to be provocative, by the way. Unforgiving spirit. Right? Not forgiving somebody is like you taking poison and hoping they die. Trying to impress others. I mean, there's another wrong motive. Lack of faith. Disobedience to God. Each one of these, by the way, has biblical precedent. But I, I pulled a few just because it's a matter of time. We're not going to get to them all. But Proverbs 28.9, disobedience to God. Those who turn their ears from hearing instruction, even their prayers will be detested. Stinginess in giving. Proverbs 21.13 Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Improper treatment of spouse. 1 Peter 3.7 Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Anyway, trying to be provocative here trying to get you to think. These are tough. But I think we need to think about this from time to time, even though it's painful. Idolatry, putting anything ahead of God, right? What occupies the center of your heart? God's rightful place is at the center of your heart. Have you ever introspected on that? What are you longing for next? I know I contemplated that. As a mechanical engineer, I love anything with a motor. It could be a weed eater, it could be a Formula One car. It doesn't matter. I used to drive, I used to ride motorcycles all my life. And I did this same introspective thing when I did CLC back in 2009 or whenever it was, 2010. What was occupying the center of my heart? It was the next next the next motorcycle, the next. So I thought about it. What's right, what is not, is taking up God's rightful place? Anyway, and not abiding in Christ. Bottom line is this, mix it up. All that framework that we talked about, it'll fit for you on the day in which you do it. But just be conscious of it, because I think it can bring some things for you, but it, it's not to be routine. That's not the point. Right? Your desire to be pleasing to God is pleasing to God, right? I mean, imagine it this way. You know, you have a, ch a child who paints a painting for you, right? He paints a little thing for you, and you hang it on your fridge or at your work. It's probably not a Rembrandt, but you love it just the same. I think that's the same thing with God. Good prayer habits. Pray anytime. Pray all the time. What are some good prayer habits besides this one? Be watchful. You know, God could appear in ways that you don't expect him to. Mm. Yeah. 
also just kind of quieting your mind and listening. Yeah, in the sacred silence. Was it, what's the quote that um, Mother Teresa said? Somebody asked her, I think it was one of the, uh, I think it was Jane Pauley, or somebody asked her during one of the morning shows, you know, what do you pray for? And she said, I don't ask for anything. I sit in silence. And then she goes, I don't understand. And she said, well, you'd understand if you had this type of prayer life. And it, it was just being in the presence of God was all that needed to happen for her. Anyway, it's very, that was deep. <laughs> and she threw people for a loop. But anyway, good prayer habits. We've run out of time. Was, you know, it's really just being conscious of what we're doing, right? And, and knowing that we can switch it up and find the time. Try and, you know, just like you have a busy schedule, maybe put it in your calendar. Give yourself that reminder. I love this, quality is not substitute for quantity. It could be the other way around. I like this one, praying with others. Pray with your significant other. Find that time. It's not easy to do it. And finally, don't do all the talking. <laughs> We're out of time. Let's pray. Most gracious God, we adore you for the love that you have given us because we know that we love because you first loved us. Lord, we pray your blessings upon each one of us here that we may desire to have a deeper relationship with you. We know that it comes in many forms, but one of them is prayer. We know that prayer also allows us to grow closer with one another. Please help us to see that and to be able to cultivate it. Well, Lord, we're thankful for this Sunday school class. We're thankful for all that they do in their leadership in the church. Lord, we pray God's blessings upon each of them in Christ's name.